Welcome back to the Tech Talks here at the Forum in Sydney. Now, it's not often that we get real end customers coming up and, and having a chat about their implementations, so we uh, do something a little different. No slides for this one, just a uh, nice chat here with, with Brent. So, Brent, could you introduce yourself to the audience and just tell them a little bit about your, sure. your role and experience? Um, so, I'm the Virtualization Technical Lead at QUT within the University of Technology. Um, one thing I was going to talk about today was automation, so be realized. Sweet. Uh, and we have gone live with Be Realized about two years ago now. Um, Stop service is a main driver at QT, so providing end users where capable, easy to manage services. So you, this is putting in the service catalog and portal yep. for, for self-provisioning and quotering and those kinds of things? Yes. So what were the requirements before you could get to the point of actually putting VRO, uh, VRA up and, and in place? So. So about three years ago, there was a, a requirement to actually automate as much as possible. So server commissioning took two to three days, um, and nowadays it's down to four to five minutes. Um, it used to have manual approvals, so having to go through compliance and go, all right, who's installing it, what are they installing, where is it going to live? Um, a lot of those requirements disappeared when we started automating it because, A, you fill in the form, they would know exactly the policies that need to be applied to the system, um, and no approvals once it's been pre-approved. So certain services don't need approval anymore. So presumably, you say certain services don't need approval. Does yes. that mean that there are services that still have manual approval process? Yeah. So if there's a financial input for a new service that needs or a pre-approval, there's cost codes that need to be put in. Then it goes to a, a person in the team to evaluate. They can check it, go, all right, yeah, this needs a finance approval, and then someone can actually action that. The user doesn't get hold up on that. They see the communication inside the portal. They don't need to worry about it. They can just go and check it. Right, but that, once that authorization comes in from for finance, it's away in provisioned, yep. and they just get their notifications. Yep. And so what done. sort of scale of things? So first off, the we talk about end-user self-service in this. Within the university, who is that end user? Okay, so right now we have about 400 staff that use it, um, that have access. Uh, we have over 350 virtual machines in there managed, with over 5,000 requests that have already been processed, so a lot of turnover. Um, and we're expanding that to staff and students in the near future for access of service, so uh, research-driven um, uh, storage, um, potentially VDI in the future for students going, I need more resources or certain allocations that don't exist in the environment. Um, we've integrated it with um, containers at one point to trial that, um, as well as uh, VMware on AWS. Right, so uh, VMCR on AWS to, yep. to provide yep. resources that you don't have on premises. So we trialed it, we, we tested it, we're going, okay, well, that's definitely a use case we could actually see. Um, so one of the biggest concerns at the university is we have peaks and troughs, so services don't always sit there all the time being used. Um, and so VMC on Amazon could definitely fill in some of those gaps where we need a burst. Well, bursting capabilities could definitely be there. So you have things like the, um, when I previously was working at a, a university many years ago, you'd have the enrollment yeah, process. That's where a cup day for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's uh, Black Friday for the American uh, yep. people, and their the, uh, the load suddenly goes to somewhere like five to ten times what yes. your normal load is on that system. 
uh, but then drops off. But presumably there's research workloads as well that will come and go and that, that have some other peculiar requirements around them. Is there any stories around those? Yeah, so with automating um, a service hopefully soon will be research storage. So a researcher will be able to submit the request, they automatically get a, uh, a data, uh, a storage allocation allocated to them in the right policies and through the right teams. If it needs a certain change in the back end, users potentially won't need to change the form or know where it is, they just get what they need. All right. Um, and then you talked about having had, what, 5,000 requests but only 350 VMs in mm -hmm. play, so you're getting the full life cycle. This isn't yes. just self-service to request, but also tear down and destroy. Yep. Do you have policies in place about limitation of lifespan of some of these? Workloads? Yep. So a minimum is 30 days. So if you're requesting a production system, you're going to need it for more than 30 days, most likely. Um, maximum four years. So life cycle of Windows or RHEL, sometimes you don't want to keep them more than that long. Um, but then we have like on-demand instances where you don't actually need it for 30 days. So you just go request and it gives you a machine instantly. It's gone in another day. So if you're rapidly testing something, you can just click and go. Um, so a lot of turnover in those kind of uh, setups. And is that enabling faculty and, and other staff to do things that previously they would not have been able to do? Yeah, so the developers have been able to um, test things that fly. Um, a lot of the researchers that I've dealt with, they're very happy with it. Um, They've been able to go to a vendor, get a package, install it, it broke. Instead of calling us and saying, roll back from snapshots, they're able to um, just go, oh, we'll delete the machine and build it again. Um, there's no back-end support needed to collaborate with that anymore. Previously, if you built a physical machine or a virtual machine that took three days, you kind of want to protect that. But now the atmosphere is kind of changing of going, all right, well, I can just click another one. So it becomes disposable resource exactly. if they choose, and yep. um, presumably with a, a variable lifespan for that disposability. Then, yeah. has there been a, a shift in the way faculty are using those two? Not yet. The broader um, teams haven't had hands on yet, but there is a big change going through QC about uh, transforming IT into a new world um, to make it more agile, mm -hmm. um, and in that aspect, I can definitely see this being a more useful tool as we start building on those or in AWS and so on. Right, and so you have VMC on AWS, and you're talking now about Azure, so is that more than just virtual machines as a yeah, service? Yeah, so here? X as a service, definitely. Um, there's definitely use cases for um, analytics and log insight, those kind of things, to help with those kind of pieces. And then you're looking at, all right, well, high-performance computing, um, big data, like there's a large amount of data for research. So there's um, definitely use cases where we can automate and make that easier for individuals. Um, I think the biggest trick is automation is good and it's great for improving services, but a self-service portal, especially for research or staff that they do not know what they need potentially. They can fill in a form, the form automatically decides where it should go, what it is, the policy driven. Um, and I think that's the key, especially in the university sector where a research doing genome sequencing or something of those sorts, right? Their professional um, skills are not in IT. They're in their field of experts. So IT should foster and help them not go, all right, well, you need to understand what a 
uh, firewall is and the context about that, well, we can just automate that for you. So you, the self-service has to be in, in business-oriented terms of what kind of data are we storing inside here, how long is it going to last, rather than what size of LUN would you like, and exactly. would you like 27 IOPS per gigabyte or 22? Exactly. So are there any other things that you've learned or seen changes in the organization as a result of this self-service? Um, yeah, so we went live about five years ago with VROPS, so VROPS does a lot of self-monitoring. So we used to have daily or weekly issues potentially from application teams going, hey, my application is slow. Um, by providing a self-service portal for performance monitoring as well, um, they're able to log in and see the whole stack, going, all right, well, potentially it's not an issue with the underlying hardware anymore. It's potentially an issue with their application, Java-based, or whatever it is. Um, and that really helps them to alleviate the time spent troubleshooting with our team, the infrastructure side, um, and speeds up all right, finding pinpoints of the issue. It's the mean time to innocence, yes. as they like to say, is, is much shorter for you. Yep. Nice. And has all of these changes, do you, when you've been with the organization for a bit longer than this particular set of changes, mm -hmm. have you seen a change in the attitude to IT? Because I know in my time at a university, there was there was a feeling that the IT people were slow moving and that they, they wanted to get in the way of all of the things that the faculties wanted to do. This sounds like you're trying to stand out of the way. Has, has that been yeah. an exception? So one of the key factors is we have to step out of the way. So the business has to keep going, and IT needs to foster that change. Um, and being innovative and research-driven and uh, trying to provide innovative services, you can't always be held up on old-school technology and old-school practices. You have to innovate. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Brett. Mm -hmm. And uh, stay tuned for even more great VBound content from here at VForum in Sydney 2018.